All right, church. So we're going to get into our scripture reading and teaching time. Uh, So if you have a Bible, you can open to Matthew chapter 14. Uh, Matthew 14, we'll have it on the screen here too, um, but it's always good to use your own Bible if you can to follow along. Uh, Matthew 14, we'll be starting in verse 22, and I'm using the New Living Translation. So I'll read it out loud for us, um, and and you can can follow along uh, at home. So it says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. uh, Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Well, church, I promised you last week that we would jump back into 1 Timothy chapter 4 this week, and I will be going back on that promise. And so you see, that there are certain times when as a preacher, you kind of need, um, you, you need to know your audience and know where their heads are at. So like if you're uh, a preacher and you're officiating you know, a wedding, and it's an outdoor wedding, middle of August, you know, and the sun is beating down on everyone, right? You're looking at the groomsmen in their three-piece suits, uh, and, you know, they're, they're, like, they're slow cooking in their three-piece suits. You look at the bride, she's about to melt. And so you realize this is not the time for your 11-point sermon on marital faithfulness. And so you cut it right down and, and you get this thing done and then you, you email them your notes afterwards. And, um, you know, this is kind of a time like that. And so we as a team just felt that given what we're hearing from you all as we're interacting um, at, that, you know, as much as I know you're on the edge of your seat to see Paul confront the false teachings in the church in Ephesus, uh, that maybe this just isn't the time. And so uh, we're going to press pause on our, on our Metropolis sermon series, and we're going to jump into a new sermon series uh, today, and, and it's sort of designed to help equip us during, uh, you know, during this unique time in history. And it's inspired by today's text, and it's called The Rabbi in the waves, and so it's, we're going to be looking at uh, how we as followers of Jesus live amidst, you know, stormy times, uh, including the current stormy time. So l- let's jump into this, um, this text for a little bit. So it says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Now it says immediately after this, and that refers back to the story just beforehand, and, and the story it's referring to is Jesus, is the feeding of the 5,000, and so maybe you know that story, 5,000 people, actually it's 5,000 men and a bunch of women and children as well, um, Jesus miraculously feeds them, and so um, after that, the disciples go out on the boat, and Jesus goes away by himself to pray. And it says, night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. Now, 
in the ancient world, you need to know that water uh, was seen as a symbol of chaos. Like for us, water is, uh, you, you know, being out on the sea and the stormy sea. Like we have a sense of, of danger there. There was an extra sense of danger that they had in the ancient world, that it symbolized chaos. And you see it in much of the ancient literature, not least in Genesis, where it, the Bible starts out with the Spirit of God hovering over the waters, it says, uh, and, and the waters are kind of this symbol of chaos. And then the creation story is a story of God bringing order in the midst of that chaos. So there were kind of layers of fear for these ancient people when it came to, uh, came to water. Of course, there's the very real um, danger of storms and capsizing and drowning. But there was also this thing where, um, where water was kind of symbolic of, of the forces of darkness in the world, they believed that the world was flat, and that beneath the flat, the flat Earth, uh, there was the underworld where where forces of darkness dwelled, and and you know, being underwater was kind of connected with that uh, in a way. And so there was this extra layer of fear for them. And so, in the ancient mindset, when when you're out uh, on the water, if a storm arises, uh, it's it's not just a storm. Uh, this, is like, this is like all the, the kind of malevolence of the gods uh, or of the universe itself was rising up against you. That's what they would have felt in the ancient world. Uh, that's what's probably going on in the disciples' minds as they're here in the boat. And I suspect that as Matthew reports this back, uh, he's aware that his readers would kind of catch that symbolism, that he's Yes, he's reporting back an incident that happened, but he's also uh, telling us something symbolically about who Jesus is in the midst of all of the chaos, all of the forces of darkness that we confront uh, in the world. Continuing on, it says, About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost. Now, again, in the ancient world, people believed in ghosts or apparitions. The official, you know, theology that was taught within Judaism, and these guys are Jewish, uh, the official theology didn't include ghosts, um, but some, some Jews did believe at a popular level, did believe in ghosts. They believed in, uh, in dangerous night spirits. Uh, many Gentiles believed that if you drowned at sea, your ghost would hover over the place where you drowned. And several of Jesus' disciples were sailors. They were fishermen. And so they would have probably heard some of these stories and at least wondered about them. So it says, Jesus came toward them. Jesus came toward them walking on the water. See, we the readers get to know uh, the identity of this figure on the water. But for them, for the disciples, uh, it's a mystery. And so they conclude uh, that it's a ghost. And this verse, note what, note what it says. It, it, the verse doesn't say uh, they paused and looked more carefully and had a discussion together and concluded together that based on the evidence, this is probably a ghost. No, it says in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Today, science is well-equipped to tell us about our fight-or-flight mechanisms. It tells us about this, this thing that's hardwired into our physiology, that when we perceive a threat, it activates uh, our amygdala and our uh, hypothalamus, which are some of the more primal parts of our brains. And, and this causes 
uh, our, our bodies to secrete adrenaline and cortisol, which are hormones that make our body uh, ready to, to defend ourselves. They make our bed, body ready for violent uh, muscular action. And so your digestion slows and your heart and lungs accelerate. More blood is pumped to your muscles. Uh, your pupils dilate. You get tunnel vision. All these things happen when we get uh, into this fight or flight state as we perceive a threat. And what's interesting is that uh, this state of being, it changes your, your physical uh, reality, but it also changes your mental reality. And so um, scientists have, have studied this, and uh, when you get into that fight or flight state, they've found that it makes you more, uh, more emotionally reactive. You're more prone to aggression and anxiety. Uh, cognitively, you become more likely to interpret a situation as a negative situation. You become more likely to interpret um, other people's actions as hostile. And so today, science can tell us all of that stuff, and, and we have ways of talking about it. But 2,000 years ago, I think Matthew was on to this already because he says, in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. These guys are in the middle of a storm. They've got these tales in the back of their minds about night spirits and the ghosts of the drowned. They're out on the water, which is symbolic of, of all the chaos and evil in, and, and the underworld. Uh, and the water is stormy and threatening. And filled with fear, they misunderstand what's going on. Their fear changes their ability to see what's going on around them. Filled with fear, they see, or they think they see, a specter of evil and death coming towards them when in reality, it's Jesus drawing near. I'll say that again. Filled with fear, they see a specter of evil and death coming toward them when in reality, it's Jesus drawing near. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. These guys are in the middle of a real threat, the, the storm. Okay, but the real threat has positioned them to not only see the real threat, but to also see an imaginary threat, a ghost. And the same is possible for us, that as we confront real threats, real hardships, real suffering, if we're not careful, that can put us into a place uh, where everywhere we look, we're imagining additional and we can actually start a spiral, uh, you know, a spiral of anxiety. Now, I want to be really clear that, uh, that this COVID pandemic is not an imaginary threat. That's not what I'm saying here. If we're mapping this story onto the current scenario, um, like the, the pandemic is the storm, it's not the ghost. Okay, it's a, it's a real threat that could, that could sink us if we don't take it seriously. Okay? And I want to be clear also that there's a difference between, uh, between wise caution and unhealthy fear. Wise caution is self-isolating. It's, it's you know, avoiding people so you don't spread the virus. Okay? Unhealthy fear is buying all the toilet paper. But what I need us to see is that it's possible for us to, to get into that, spi that downward spiral of anxiety. It's it's possible that like the disciples, in our fear, we can start thinking we see ghosts. And for our well-being as followers of Jesus, and for our well-being as human beings, and for the well-being of the community around us, we need to do what the disciples didn't do at first, 
we need to b- position ourselves to see the, the situation um, in a sober and even-keeled, unpanicked way so that we can respect the storm but not be seeing ghosts. So church, as we go through this pandemic emergency and as we go through whatever other crises we're going through, and, and man, that was a long prayer list. Like, there are families who right now who if you subtract the pandemic, they're still going through rough waters. As we go through all of our crises, all of our storms, we will do better for ourselves and for our community if we refuse to operate in our fear, if we refuse to see in our fear, if we refuse to react in our fear, if we refuse to panic in our fear. And that's the advice that Jesus gives to to his disciples. So look what he says. It says, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I'm here. Now, something something that we could talk about here, and that we'll probably... uh, It'll probably come up again in this series, is that that command, don't be afraid, uh, is probably the most common command that, that occurs within Scripture. That again and again, when God is doing something, uh, when God is moving in the midst of history, which is what happens all through the Bible, when, when God is moving... Uh, you know, it would be really nice if God would move uh, and God would shape history and shape our lives in ways that were comfortable and not scary and didn't shake us. But again and again, when God moves, he moves in ways that it would be easy for people to be afraid. When God's doing something, it can be scary. It can shake us up. It can be unfamiliar. It can be dramatic. It can push us beyond our capacity. And so the natural thing in so many of these cases, is fear. But the thing is, we can't fully receive and fully engage with what God has for us if we're operating from a place of fear. If we're living out of fear, all we can see is ghosts. Like the disciples, when we're filled with fear, we see the specter of death and evil approaching when really, maybe it's Jesus drawing near. Now, look what happens here. Jesus says, I, says, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here, he says. I am here. Now, in Greek, he doesn't exactly say, I am here. What he says in Greek is, ego eimi, and uh, that phrase occurs all over the Bible. And if you translate it literally, it's I am. Ego eimi is Greek for I am. Don't be afraid. I am. Maybe you've heard that phrase before as you've studied the Bible or or read through the Bible. It first shows up in Exodus, which is uh, the origin story of of the Jewish nation. Uh, And remember, Jesus' disciples are Jewish. In that story, in Exodus 3, God appears to Moses in a burning uh, in a burning bush, and he speaks to them. He says, Moses, I am the God of your, your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and I'm going to use you, Moses, to free my people because at that time they were enslaved in Egypt. He says, Moses, I'm going to send you to lead my people to freedom. And Moses says, who shall I say has sent me? And God says, I am who I am, which always seemed a little rude to me, but I am who I am. 
Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Say to the people of Israel, Ego a me has sent me to you. Now here's Jesus. Okay, back to Matthew. Here's Jesus. He's walking on the water in the midst of the storm. Now right before this, he's fed 5,000 people through a miraculous uh, display of power. Right after this, Jesus is going to heal a bunch of people uh, from, from their illnesses simply by touching them. At this point in the story, if Matthew is doing anything, he's trying to get us to see that Jesus is more than just a man. And right here in the middle of that part of the story, he makes sure he tells us that Jesus, as he walked out on the waves in the midst of the storm, that Jesus says, don't be afraid, I am. In other words, it's not a ghost, it's God. Jesus is actually making a statement about his own deity. He's stating that the rabbi in the waves is in fact the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who appeared to Moses. He's saying, that's me. Jesus is revealing who he truly is to the disciples. And he's revealing that. He's teaching them in the midst of the storm. There's a whole second part to this story where Peter uh, gets to try walking on water. Uh, and, it, and so Peter you know, does some learning there about faith. And then um, and the story ends with everyone back in the boat. And um, the disciples realize Jesus is the Son of God. And they say out loud, truly, you're the Son of God. God. So there's actually a whole bunch of learning and teaching that happens in this story. Because it wasn't a ghost in the waves. It was the rabbi in the waves. And the rabbi in the waves was doing what rabbis do. He was teaching. Rabbi means teacher. And here in the storm, the rabbi was doing what rabbis do. He was teaching the disciples, and he was drawing them into a more profound and fully realized and complete experience of who he is. Don't be afraid, I am. And I believe that the rabbi is in our waves too. That during this time, he will teach us and reveal himself to us more fully and draw us closer to him. I believe that God will do that in all of our storms, including whatever storm you're walking through right now. If we can just see past our fear. And that's, and that's my encouragement to us today. Uh, and so I want to leave you with some discussion questions and um, after our service, when we invite you to reach out to someone and talk, uh, We'd love for you to maybe talk about some of these discussion questions. Um, if you want to try an online meeting with your life group, we can actually facilitate that now. You guys could talk about this. Um, and so here, here are some things to think about, some discussion questions or maybe some reflection questions, four of them. First, currently, where are you seeing or reacting in your fear, right? In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Again, unhealthy fear is different from wise caution, and so I'm not saying don't be cautious, 
but there's a thing that you can feel. I, I felt it this week, to be honest, uh, and maybe you are as, as more, um, more updates roll out where, where something goes on within you that is beyond, it's more than unhealthy caution, where you're beginning to operate in your fear, where that fight or flight um, mechanism is, is taking hold. Where are you currently seeing or reacting in your fear? How is that manifesting in your life? Secondly, what is Jesus teaching you amidst this storm? The rabbi is in the waves. What is he teaching you? See, when things are easy, it's really easy for us to uh, ignore or, or to paper over things that, that we need to learn, ways that we need to change or grow. Right? It's like a, it's like, um, a dam. You know, it's, it's, it can be hard to find cracks in a dam if there's no water pushing up against it. But once you add that pressure, you start to find the cracks quickly. So in this season... Where have you found yourself um, perhaps with, with unhelpful emotional responses? Where have you found that your, your instinctive behavior has been, uh, has been unhelpful? Where have you been surprised by the way that you've acted or responded? Is Jesus teaching you something in the midst of this storm? Thirdly, how is Jesus drawing near amidst this storm? Are there ways that you are experiencing Jesus more fully because of the way that your life has been restructured right now? And then lastly, how can you posture yourself to grow and thrive during this storm? How can you do what the disciples did not do at first um, how can you um, set yourself up so that you're not operating out of fear, but rather you're able to engage with the rabbi in the waves? I'll give you a couple of suggestions. Okay, uh, firstly, would encourage you to just do a lot of deep breathing, and I know that sounds totally, totally trite, but just like a couple times a day, take 10 seconds or a minute or five minutes to just breathe deeply because we do have a physiological thing called a fight-or-flight mechanism, and breathing deeply uh, helps to deactivate that, and so it's going to help you regulate yourself. would invite you to pray lots. Um, we've got plenty of things to be praying about. would invite you to read the Bible lots. Um, one of the things that goes on during, that's, that's going on right now is that we have so much... Um, troubling news, right? You go on Facebook or, or whatever. It's, it's all troubling news. There's lots of, um, there's lots of stuff that would, would cause you to fear. And so we need to say, how can we then balance that off with some good news, some encouraging news, something that's going to, to help us stay even keeled? And so reading the Bible is great for that. Um, I also want to encourage you to journal during this time, um, just as a, as a way of disciplining yourself to be reflective. Throughout Christian history, people have uh, isolated themselves from society um, in order, when, when they wanted to hear from God, and that's, uh, that's, a, that's called monasticism, uh, and you would go to 
a monastery. Well, all of us right now are kind of in a period of forced monasticism. We're, we're like being asked to go into monk mode. And so, um, you know, I, I would ask you to just embrace it. Um, let's embrace it. Let's God, let God speak to us. And so keeping a journal is a great thing. Um, would encourage you to keep a gratitude journal. That helps a lot in, in calming your heart and positioning your heart in a good place. Just every day, if nothing else, write down one or two things that you're grateful for so that, so that, you're, not, so that you're taking time to see things other than the bad news, other than the things that, uh, that induce fear. So how can you posture yourself to grow and thrive during this storm? Church, the rabbi is in the waves. He's drawing near to us. And he wants to teach us if we can only see past our fear during this time.